Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuck boy. The number one fuck boy. The number one F-U-C-C-B-O-I. Fuck boy. Fuck boy. Also, in 2017, I'm becoming known as the number one cuck boy. So... If you want to fuck my wife in front of me, wait, never mind. Don't answer. Joining me as always in High and Mighty Studios is my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. And also joining Arthur and I is first time guest. I've been a fan of this guy since this is the only thing you could say in 2017. Been a fan of this guy since I saw his gimmick Twitter account. <laughs> Jason Shapiro of Los Feliz Daycare Twitter and a comedy writer in his own right. Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, John. I'm yeah. excited to be here. I'm a shithead. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> shithead Army is alive. I'm sure now, let's be honest here, you're also a comedy writer, interesting person, so none of these shitheads out here think they could be on the podcast. Okay, I don't, no, yeah, no, no shitheads are on the pod. I did not get on from some weird sliding into your DM scenario. You no, know, and, and he's not the only person that's tried. People, people reached out to other people. Oh, yeah. yeah. You had people oh, yeah. reach out to people. Yeah. <laughs> Your people contacted my people, and I said, hey, fuck yeah. And then on top of that, we have several mutual friends. Yeah, exactly. Which we'll discuss at length off the podcast, because <laughs> I think we have plenty of Benny stories. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we were going to talk about live music today, but before we get into that, let's read some uh, negative reviews of my podcast. Yes. So as always, if you rate me five stars and roast me in the comments, I will read them on the show. And this is an obvious grab for stars, but I need them, baby. I'm up to 932 ratings, but only 700 of them are five stars. We need more. Get out there right now while you're listening to this podcast. Just open up your app and get, fucking destroy me. Roast me. Okay. Here's our first one. It's called Dang Man from Sonoma Williams Fan 1. That's a very funny handle. 
Steve Bannon was just a chill liberal dude until he listened to High and Mighty and took Gabby's constant racial tirades and love of fast food too seriously. According to a recent WHO report, Job Gabros is actually patient zero for the obesity epidemic, <laughs> holding out hope that Arthur takes over the podcast someday. Wow, Sonoma Williams fan one. I just want to say... Let's stay on theme in our roast. We, you know, you downshift from me saying like I instigated Steve Bannon. Then you switch to me just being fat. The Steve <laughs> Bannon shit, on the other hand, is interesting. It's an interesting take on I was able to turn a Hollywood screenwriter, Steve Bannon, into an alt-right power player. God, is that guy terrifying or what? Yeah, I mean, for a while we got him out of the shadows. Now I feel like he's back just pulling crazy strings that we don't even know about that is a dude who visibly looks like he's supposed to be in the shadows yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, and i love i love just watching him around his uh his his jewish co-workers <laughs> yeah. watching him squirm jason shapiro italian kid right yeah yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. shapiro kentucky <laughs> Um, all right, Donal Logue by Summer Ashley. John Gabris is a big dummy for not watching Terriers yet. Okay, that's a hyper-specific <laughs> roast. I will get around to it. Um, maybe the first roast I could do something about. Well, I guess all the obese ones I could probably <laughs> do something about. But it seems easier to watch Terriers than to fundamentally change my lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Terriers is like the equivalent of... People telling you need, you need to watch The Wire everywhere else. Yeah. Here, it's just like, if you haven't watched Terriers, it's just like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, how do you feel about that? I hate that attitude of like, you've never seen blank. Like, I understand if it's like Godfather, but everyone yeah. has like a blank spot in their movie watching. Exactly. And we all have a certain amount of time. And the, like watching The Wire is not the equivalent of like a college degree. Like right. people <laughs> treat it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I watched The Wire twice. I, <laughs> I know so much about Baltimore and the inner workings of I a, I, a rich white guy, understands <laughs> WMDs now, so the plight of the uh, inner city is on me, brother. Yeah, it's the new, like, I don't watch TV, I only read books. It's like, I've watched all four seasons of The Wire. And that's pretty much it. I watch yeah. documentaries. Like, people were like, I really only watch documentaries on Netflix. <laughs> I'm like... Okay, interesting. Man, you must be very smart. <laughs> now I'm going to come off as so dumb because I know there are five seasons of The Wire. I know there are five. <laughs> but you don't need to watch the fucking fifth one. That's yeah. the most annoying one. Uh, the kids one, the school one, is the one that hits the hardest. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Dookie. Um, okay, here. This is from Unknown in a Town. The, the <laughs> title is Maple Syrup. Remember the kid in school who smelled like maple syrup all day and his fart smelled like a ball pit at a McDonald's play place? That was John Gabris. He's now just some guy whose face belongs on a frozen pizza box found in 7-Eleven. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, that's pretty strong. I like that. And here's one last one. Awful from Hamburger Archdiocese. Can't shut up about how he's from New Jersey. Ooh, deep cut. Way to fucking cut to the core. Are you a Jersey kid? No, no, no. I'm from Minneapolis. Oh, okay, great. Okay, great. But I went to the University of Wisconsin, and so half my friends are from L.A. The other half are from New York, New oh, Jersey, yeah. pretty much. Um, Yeah, 
New Jersey, that was a deep cut because as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I'm from Long Island. As anyone who's seen <laughs> my left bicep knows, I'm from Long Island. And you've all seen my motherfucking biceps. <laughs> yeah, you might have heard a famous character, Gino. Who yeah, knows? Yeah, maybe you listen to Comedy Bang Bang. Most of the people I think who listen to High and Mighty are just listening, hoping I accidentally do Gino. Slip like, into so Gino. Yeah. And by the way, slipping into Gino just means re- losing the fake accent that I put on to try to get cast in Hollywood. And then I just go into my real fucking self, bro. All right, baby. Guys, that's enough reviews. Rate me five stars. Roast me in the comments. Your fake iTunes handle could be read aloud on a podcast that's listened to by hundreds of losers. This could be you. So get out there, rate me five stars, and roast me in the comments. Jason, let's transition to the topic. What's up? Let's talk. We're talking live music. That was one of the things you pitched me, and it's... uh, I've been pitch me like I'm some executive. It's like, <laughs> I literally require guests to come up with ideas about what we're going to talk about, too. This the, podcast is so I do such little work. <laughs> and as you now know, I've just been watching Passenger 57 on Amazon waiting for you to come over. <laughs> well, no, the back and forth was insane. You know, I don't know. This is a little inside Hollywood. But sometimes when you uh, try to get on a TV show, you have to send in a writer's packet. <laughs> yeah. And that's what this process was like. I, <laughs> You know, doing a paragraph on each topic. Yeah, I wanted John a paragraph on like, each topic. And then we had a Skype interview to see if I could <laughs> if I could actually have a conversation with you. John's edits in red. Hate this. Hate this. Yeah. Do not bring this up on air. I will fucking call the interview. Um, live music has been on my mind a lot lately because it's something that's was such a huge part of my life for so long. Me and my wife, both of us. And it has just fallen aside rarely and then every once in a while like i'll still go to a concert i'll just be like oh fuck it yeah or i'll be like invited to a concert in some weird hollywood second tier uh celebrity type or fifth tier celebrity thing like (laughs) what i'm saying is sometimes on improv humans they have a band and that band says hey you guys can come to the show (laughs) that's my idea of celebrity and uh every time i go i'm like fuck I do really love this. If there's something special about going to see live performances of any kind, but when you're a, a writer, actor, comedian, whatever, seeing live performances of music is just something that is not even something you could do. Like, there's no me going like, oh, that joke was great. You know, like, I can't analyze it. Yeah, it was. it's funny. Like, when you brought that up a little bit um, off mic when we were talking about it, you know, it got me thinking about how, and I, you know, I used to see so much more live music than I do now. I still try to go, you know, at least once a month or a couple times a month, but it got me thinking. It was like the thing in my early 20s and, you know, when I was a teenager, just going to a show it was the greatest thing ever. It still is, but now is like, you get older and there's more shit going on and, and things hurt and you have... Like standing sucks. Yeah, like standing <laughs> sucks and like you have more on your mind work-wise or whatever. Going to a show and then like not being in the moment is the worst feeling in the world. Right. And you I think that's kinda, what keeps me. Yeah, you kind of have to let it all peel off and just be at the show. Yeah, and I can't take like a pocket full of drugs on a Tuesday night just to see like a, a band. You know? <laughs> right, right. That's the other thing. It's like standing hurts, being being in crowds sucks as you get older. Loud music, I don't even like it to be that loud anymore. I'm it like, hurts. It yeah. hurts. I'm so, I'm so, so. And then on top of it, I used to go to like Webster Hall or whatever and drink like 12 expensive ass whiskey and cokes and then be shit faced and then wake up at 9 a.m. the next day and make it to fucking VH1 where I was a PA like I could do that shit 
I don't think I could do that anymore. I would like have diarrhea all afternoon if I did that. <laughs> I, I actually I mean I have diarrhea every yeah, afternoon. Yeah, that's just stand that's the <laughs> yeah. standard. But uh Webster Hall actually, um I was the one time I was at Webster Hall, it was a it was New Year's. I think it was New Year's like two thousand eleven. I had gone to four fish shows. And then uh, I was afraid this was going to come. Yeah, up yeah. I'll try, you... <laughs> I'll try to minimize. I'll try to minimize. No, but let's fish. talk because because I, I am pro fish. I just do not listen to them or yeah. I can't stand their music. And... and I won't be the advocate, but uh, <laughs> it was after four fish shows, and this was an after show. And I found myself at Webster Hall, and it was like five thirty in the morning. <laughs> and the feeling of knowing you're going to walk outside, and it's going to be light out, and you want to sleep for seven more hours. Yeah, and it then, was but, one of the worst experiences. But your mom is coming to the apartment at noon to bring <laughs> you uh, the fucking mattress covered. Like that's always what ends up happening. I feel like any time, like the few times I just had like those insane nights where I'm like, oh my god. It's four in the morning and my friends are like, we know a place that serves drinks till seven in the morning. Then you're going there in the city and you're like, my dad is coming at 11 to help me put up shelves. And I'm yes. going to be fuck. The one day I'm at, I get one hour sleep is the day I got to talk to my fucking father for four <laughs> hours. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's, it's one of those things where like now I'm limited to really having to like make a weekend out of, out of these, um, you know, if I'm going to a music festival, like just know that on either side I need like two days of recovery. Right, two days like prehab and rehab. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's wait, you just said something that reminded me. Oh, the the other thing we were talking about that we're not saying is you start to when you're young and you don't have like I now have a wife and we're trying to save up to buy a house. You can go to f concerts are not cheap anymore. Oh yeah, yeah. no. I I just went to um I went to Dead and Company, the great. I'm just going to sound like a fucking idiot this whole time. <laughs> that's so fine. just just know that I'm I'm a I'm a nice guy. Well, that's here's the thing. With with High and Mighty, we do sort of like a Gandalf and Frodo type thing where yeah. my guests never look like that big of idiots because I am just <laughs> undercutting like just setting the bar so low for intelligence. So you're going to be okay. Thank you. Thank you. Wait, um, cuz yeah, wait to hear the shows I went to. <laughs> so I went to Dead and company um it's the the members of the grateful dead got back together they got john mayer to play with them right so i went to uh went to that show and it was it was a hundred bucks at the bowl I mean, at the bowl yeah. i mean it was it was a great show it was awesome but like you're just dropping a hundred bucks for a hundred bucks night. is just your fucking buy-in yeah when you're talking about like taking an uber to and from and fucking drinks and if it's the bowl like you make a picnic basket or whatever definitely you're yeah. looking you're you're racking up money there yeah and if you want have to if you want to buy someone else a ticket you're fucking out 350 dollars before you even get there for sure but for the tasty shreds it was <laughs> yeah. fucking worth it no. for the 11 minute tracks <laughs> yeah and john mayer i mean when you, that show was great just because you have like these 60 70 year old dudes who are just like reliving the glory days and then you have either their age appropriate wives or their young wives who are just like i want to fuck this guy john mayer <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I never wanted to go to a grateful <laughs> dead show before and i was dragged but now like i got the eye candy yeah. <laughs> that's really funny and he does a good job he looks back like he wants to fuck them yeah that's good well, you know mayor's got something magical about him because he is so hateable and I don't hate him. Yeah, I want so to hang there's out some, with him. Yeah, yeah. Like Anne Hathaway has that too, where it's like, I could see why other people hate them, but their charisma just powers through, just splits it down the middle where you're like, fuck it, John Mayer, I will hang out with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you hear that, John Mayer? Yeah. <laughs> you can come on high and mighty. Hang out with us. <laughs> hang out with us. <laughs> At minimum, could you just hang out with us? 
Um, so your uh, was like fish your for- foray into live music. Was that how you got in, or do you remember like early stages? Yeah. So I actually had a really cool experience of seeing music at an early age. Um, my aunt Beth, uh, Beth Laterman in Minneapolis, she works for the rock radio station there, KQRS, and she's worked there. <laughs> the whole time. So I was one of those really, really lucky kids who would get free concert tickets from her all the time. And, you know, it started with her, you know, taking me to shows. And then when I was a little older, you know, my cousin and I could just take the tickets and go with our friends. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, it was great. Um, I mean, the first, I, the first concert I saw was actually at the Minnesota State Fair. It was the Beach Boys with John Stamos. Oh shit. Which was fucking cool for me because I was a big full house head and still yeah. am. Yeah. Oh fuck. I'm a I'm a big Beach Boys fan. Great. Yeah. I was yeah, into me the Beach too. Boys like because my dad was before I and when they were on Full House, I was like, No way. Yeah, yeah, that was like the the it was like the fucking two worlds colliding. <laughs> yeah. It was Yeah, the Venn diagram sits in the middle of just like I have listened to the Beach Boys and I fucking love Uncle Jesse. And yeah. they know each other. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And it's it, the craziest part, just a, like the craziest part of the Beach Boys being on the full house for me was like you guys hung out with the Manson family and then the Tanner decades family. later you hung out with <laughs> the Tanner family. Yeah. <laughs> It's wild. Uh, both chock full of killers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, oh, Jody yeah. Sweeten. Well, we're all terrified. I mean, him. Joey kills. Uh, you know, stand up wise, Joey oh, yeah. kills. <laughs> He's a killer. He's a killer. <laughs> um, but then, uh, yeah. So I, I that was my first concert. Um, my first concert, and this will date that. I mean, that makes you. That could make you. 60 years old yeah. or 20 years and I'm old. Not, I'm not going to say which. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, uh, I, my first concert was Soul Asylum at the Jones Beach Theater. Uh, Unbelievable. Yeah, it was a very, like, if that, that would be 95, 94. I went with my friend and his dad. My first three concerts are pretty 90s, and I'll throw them out for you real quick. So the first one was uh, Soul Asylum, whatever. It was fine. I didn't even really like them. I just liked the song Runaway Train. Um, second show was at Madison Square Garden, and it was Bush, Goo Goo Dolls, and No Doubt. That's amazing. That's the tour that got Gavin Rosdale and Gwen Stefani yeah. together. Yeah. I was there for that. <laughs> you saw the Sparks. <laughs> Those three bands are rather quintessential 90s. Yeah. I mean, my, um, so one of the earliest ones that I got to go to, like with cousins, you know, feeling like I was cool, it was 98. And it was this, um, the, the alternative station was the zone. So they had zone for the holidays. And that was back, uh, garbage. Uh, soul coughing, I think. What? Yeah, that was nuts. That's a great fucking lineup. Beck was one of my favorites. Seen him a few times over the years. Um, the, my third concert was Lollapalooza, Randall's Island, with Metallica and Wu Tang as the two. Unbelievable. Yeah, and that was another one I went to with my friend and his dad. Yeah, and uh, that what would year be was that. What? That would have been uh, in eighth, ninth grade. I wore the shirt. This could have been. 95, 96, maybe. Unreal. Yeah. So Metallica had probably just cut their hair. Yeah, Metallica <laughs> was uh, short hair. Wu-Tang, it was really funny. Actually, I re- distinctly remember because we were sitting in the crowd for a little while. And when Wu-Tang came on, there was true racist energy because they were oh. just like, we're oh. here for rock and roll. It was like yeah. the, t- the older dudes who were into Metallica were like, they were all like, 
budding alt-right white trash dudes. Yeah, and it was that really weird, terrible time in music where the rap rap rock thing was just starting. Oh, God, And yes. I was so into that. I was very impressionable because that was right when I was becoming like a middle school age little piece of shit angry white boy yeah, and cut my life into pieces yeah and that shit just spoke to my oh god that was so bad so after like seeing beck which was just you know i would kill to see that show again now oh fuck yeah there were just years of kid rock fucking limp biscuit um and metallica was in there too which i love you know i loved seeing metallica yeah. during that time but it was also the time in my life where I was going to a lot of professional wrestling also. Okay. So I was just the little- So your parents were concerned. Very concerned. I was just a little fuck. Listening to Kid Rock and going to like, no, you're supposed to be a good little Jewish boy. What are you doing with yourself? That was so funny because I was the sweet little sensitive Jewish boy who would, who would close my door and then just turn on- Degeneration. You'd be like, suck it! <laughs> and watching way too much porn and- it's it's just that thing that should create a killer, but luckily it didn't. Yeah. Well, hey, time, only time can. Yeah, tell. yeah, yeah. <laughs> still, we have no idea how old I am. Wait so. till you, yeah, wait till you get a couple of failures into Hollywood, then you'll be it's prime uh, chemistry for killing. Yes, uh, that's fucking. Uh, all right, so that that's your embarrassing music face, like you. Yeah, because we all do that when you're younger. It started off so. It was always weird because it was good shit woven into it. Um, so my the my early music phase was really like the good classic rock stuff. Yeah, the because sh- like you're sort of like parents introduce you to music at first. Right? Yeah, like my you would just like listen to, and my dad would be like, "Ooh, this is a good song." Smoke on the water, and you're like, "Yeah." Play it on guitar. Good. Those yeah, yeah. first three chords. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was all of that, and yeah, my dad was had great music taste. He he actually tried to turn me on to Steely Dan way too early. Now I love Steely yeah, Dan. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, I was like, "This fucking sucks." I haven't gotten to the age or whatever level of resignment you need in your life to enjoy Steely Dan. I haven't gotten it yet. You Don't will. dislike Steely. Dan like yeah. I did when I was a kid, but I see it in my future. I yeah. see myself putting it on my noise cancelers while I'm sitting on my premium comfort Delta flight home to yeah. visit my mom. Just listen to Donald Fagan rock out. Um, <laughs> so we, yeah, he had the Beatles and I was into, and it also like right when I started listening to my own music, it's like when you're 12 and 13 and I was, I had a bar mitzvah and that's when everyone was just giving Bar Mitzvah Boys Best Buy gift cards. Uh, so yeah. I, I, you know, would walk into Best Buy with $500 in gift cards that I couldn't spend anywhere else. Right. And just be like, I'll buy this full stack of CDs. Um, yeah. Oh, I've heard of this band. I, like, I, I eventually got that way with DVDs, but I was the same way with CDs yeah. where I'd be like, oh, I heard this one song. I mean, just buy the whole CD and then go home like Offspring. I yeah. love Gotta Keep Them Separated. Go home, put it on, and just stand next to my boombox and like bop my head. It was it was a good time. Yeah, CD. That was that was like my whole life was yeah. listening to CDs. And yeah, what and, were your early CD pickups? Do you remember? So it was so all over the place. It's fucking crazy because I remember a time going to Target to buy a CD, and the two CDs I bought were um rage against the machine battle of los angeles oh hell yeah and britney spears's first cd oh shit. and a fucking batman action figure those were the three <laughs> things that i picked up god you were a complicated age i was a, <laughs> such a complicated age we feet in two different like I, I was getting political but also i still liked women and toys <laughs> yeah it, it was really weird um so yeah my early 
early was like got really into Zeppelin because you know everyone was like you have to listen to Stairway to Heaven. The song is gonna just totally yeah, change well, your life. Uh, that's I first heard of Stairway from watching Wayne's World. Oh yeah, and yeah. My, I was like Stairway denied. My dad's like, do you know what that is? I'm like, no. They're like, it's a song called Stairway to Heaven. I'm like, oh, is it suck? And he's like, no, it's weird. It's like so good but so played. Like he's like, I can't explain the joke, but I can explain. And then my dad put it on a LP for me, and I was like, oh, this is this cool. Is it. Yeah, and. And then you see like records for the first time, like you've only been jamming on tapes from your friends and your dad like busts out a big rec. Like he pulled out the Rolling Stones Sticky Fingers, which had like a it's not Sticky Fingers. That's the guy from uh, Onyx Sticky Fingers. <laughs> and it had a zipper on the cover. And I was yeah, like, they were beautiful. Fly? Yeah, I was like, what? You could unzip a dude's fly on this cover? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, my dad's record player still works for a little bit. So kind of yeah. going through his collection and, and seeing that. And then I would just be like, oh, awesome. I'll go spend $20 on this CD. <laughs> <laughs> um, so early on, yeah, it was like, it was Metallica, it was, um, Chili Peppers, yeah, this uh, makes sense. Rage, uh, Offspring was big. I mean, yeah. I loved, the, I loved those like sad Offspring songs for yeah. some reason. Um, What's the one? Lying in my bed, trying to, no, I can't even do it. Uh, trying to stay away from me. Trying to stay away from me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man, that just brings self me esteem. back. Yeah, self-esteem. I'm and just then, a sucker with no self-esteem. Yeah, so. yeah. And then there's the other uh, bad habit. Uh, Cause I got a bad habit. <laughs> Stupid, dumb shit, goddamn motherfucker. Yeah. I remember when I heard, first heard that, I was like, Oh man, explicit lyrics. Let's yeah. get nuts. <laughs> I would be walking down, I would just be marching down Hebrew school during break, just being like, Hey man, you know, I'm really insane. <laughs> I, uh, uh, on the same line of cursing, I went to 4 H camp, which is like a, now in hindsight, I realized like a religious camp out yeah. east on Long Island. I thought it was just like adventure for uh, kids. And uh, I had a disc man. And I got the chronic like I, my mom was like, you can buy a couple of CDs to bring with you. So I brought the chronic and I was like listening to it with my headphones on just like, you know, Snoop Doggy Dog says, oh, is he crazy? Which And I'm just like rapping along. And that was like one of my first early albums. And I must have said like 12 curse words. And my the rule at this camp, what the counselor said is if you curse, you got to do 10 push ups. So I got I took my headset off. He's like, John. You owe us 120 oh. push-ups. And it was like the worst day of my life. Yeah. And it's humiliating to be fat while everyone watches you do push-ups. And no 13-year-old... I mean, a handful of 13-year-old kids are good at push-ups, but no, not most that, of us. And that's something that that guy would get arrested for now. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I... This is, I think I've talked about this before on air, but like I had, I'm at that age where like I had the last non PC high school experience. Like my last name prompted my teachers to call me gay boy, including my football coach. So one full year of, uh, one full, like four full years, I was called gay boy, gay, uh, garbage, grab ass, just like by teachers. And the principal just walking by like, that's fucking funny. Yeah. Well, one of them was the dean of uh, discipline called me garbage. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I'm either going to shoot up this school or become a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> I did both. <laughs> did both. Um, and yeah, I, I would say Weezer, I started Weezer off Blue early. Album, I think, was my first CD. Yeah, I used to jump off. I used to just... The, that part of Buddy Holly when the guitar is just like... Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. I used to just jump off things. I used to go replay that, wait till that happened, and then just jump off of something doing a guitar solo. <laughs> Being a little fucking idiot. Isn't it funny, like, the first couple of bands that really hit you end up being your favorite bands, no matter how shitty they get? Like, I'm talking, this is tw over 20 years later. 
You put the blue album on my whole life. Like, yeah, can, it still works. It still fucking works. And that, that's what I think is weird is I think my early music tastes were good where I still listen to a lot of them. Like I was listening I, – I went to uh, summer camp also and so my counselors were turning me on to like Biggie really early on. Yeah. And it was like Biggie and Fish and – all of these bands or, or artists that I'm still really into. And then around like 99 to 2002, all of that stuff was still in the mix, but there was this black hole of the shitty rap, rap rock and like puddle of mud stained yeah. and stuff that I just, I, I can't even. But around that time there was the uptick in like the indie rock too, right? Yeah, Cause that's I'm... like, I feel like that's when I started getting into the Strokes and stuff. Could that have been them early? It would have been, yeah. yeah. So unfortunately, I was listening to all of the shit then. So I yeah. really never got into the Strokes, and I never got into uh, a lot of those bands. Those two, the like that that generation of music, whatever you want to call it, Strokes, TV on the radio, Arcade Fire, um, White Stripes, like all those kind of cool uh, indie rock bands were coming up about the time I was like old enough to make this like i was like 20 and i was interning in the city and then i would eventually move to the city and that's that those two things like coincided in enough of a way where it's like hey man ozma is you know like uh, random yeah. bands would be like hey they're playing at hammerstein we should get tickets and it's like they're only 28 dollars you know we'll go see this band because we're like on the come up we're paying attention to that new music and, and that's when music is like really really speaking to you then right, in a way yeah. of like oh wow they're talking about shit that i understand yeah and, and you're first making money yeah and it's like i'm like have a job i'm making almost no money but i don't have any expenses expenses because i'm a kid yeah so i'm like oh fuck i have the money to go to this concert if you're 21 or you can get in with a fake id it's great that you can like party and drink and it's some like, of the most fun times yeah, yeah were those concerts in your early 20s and um, I, that was me like but uh in senior year of college junior junior senior year all of but like my first four years after high school after college, I was at concerts like twice a month, three times a month. Yeah, yeah, that was my or big shows as time well. too. Yeah. yeah, and I think so. When I got out of the dark phase of like, I, I was in high school from like two thousand one to two thousand five. Yeah. So around high school, I got out of that shitty phase and and moved on to an a maybe arguably shittier phase of getting really into jam bands. Yeah, <laughs> which I won't apologize for. I'm still into now, but. I mean, that's when I, I mean, if you're a fan of live music, jam band, like if like, fine, whatever, whatever your music tastes are, but you really like to go to live shows, then jam bands are a good thing to become a fan of. Yeah. If you go in with a smile, you're going to have a good time. Right. And so I, I was, I, I went to a, I think my first festival I went to was in 2003. I went to a, it was a festival in Detroit Lakes, North Dakota, I think. It was in North Dakota. It's called Ten Thousand Lakes. Um, I just walked in with my cousin Jake and my uncle, and this was the first time I saw like these jam band fans, hippies, whatever you want to call them, just descending on a venue and making like their weird community. Basically, it was right, like, like that crazy seeing the devil sticks come out and <laughs> yeah, camping and selling grilled cheese and smoking shit that i'd never smelled in my life and uh that so that was a crazy experience i think there i, I saw widespread panic oh, okay, uh, cool. i saw i think i saw dave and tim 
That Maybe they were sense. there. I liked Dave Matthews at the time. Now yeah. I can't quite stomach it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I uh, that's totally reasonable. <laughs> My family actually was a big Dave Matthews band family. If you're I, white and born in like the 80s, 90s, 70s, 2000s, like it's hard not to like. <laughs> yeah, Ants Marching just gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think in 2000, actually, one day my parents were like, hey, we're going to a Dave Matthews band concert tonight as the whole family. And what? I was probably That's like, cool, yeah, they were, yeah, they're really cool and they loved music. But it was that thing where like, I was at this age where I was like 13. So I knew some older kids and I was like, oh, people are going to Dave Matthews and like, they're probably going to like smoke pot and I'm going to go with my parents. And at that point I'd never, you know, I'd never smoked pot, but I just was both thinking that it was awesome that I was going with my parents and also terrified to terrified run, to run into anybody. Oh, yeah. That exactly. makes sense. I uh, Just jumping back to bad music periods, yeah, I yeah. will say the only bad music period I did to myself, and now I see reflections of in my music taste from this period, was uh, when all my friends started listening to ska and oh, uh, punk. Like, no, if, when I was in junior high, no effects and all the ska shit. So this would be mid-90s was huge and all... I went like all my white friends were so into it. I had gone to like an all black and Hispanic school until I was in, like 13. When I moved to, I learned all about punk. All I knew was like Biggie before that. Then we, all we hear is punk and Scott. And I, I hate it so much that I just swing the other direction. Like me and two buddies who were like, fuck punk, fuck Scott, stupid. We got really into techno. We got really oh, yeah, into like yeah. Chemical Brothers, Fatboy Swim, a fat boy slim orbital we got really into these bands and i was like this is in hindsight a prodigy i'm yeah. like so embarrassed that i listened to them because it's like block rock and like beat. 2003 like what, no, was this was, uh, no this was no this was this would have uh this would be like 96 96 okay okay yeah. so they're they're just coming up like yeah and i'm getting into them huge and then i'm like get into the indie rock scene and like leave that behind. But now as I'm older, I'm like the music I've started to listen to even more now is like Duran Duran, Depeche Mode and these sort yeah. of electronic -y type musics like John Carpenter soundtracks, Michael Mann soundtracks, um, all that stuff. Like that shit just comes into my, and I'm like, Oh, this is cause I like techno and this, all right, this is the marriage of it. I For see. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That punk stuff. Um, I, I saw a real big fish show. I was never too into that like punk scene. But my one of my roommates, Mike, right now, that's still the music that he listens to He's every like day. He's blasting me first in the gimme gimme. Blast him all the time. He buys it on vinyl now. It's great. <laughs> he loves it. Um, oh, when you were talking having about a roommate now in 2017 who listens to ska is like a premise for a TV show. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, that's he's like great. enough of a conceit that it's like this. That could be a podcast. He's an amazing. <laughs> he's he's one of my best friends. He's an amazing person, but he is a t shirt. He he's a TV show in himself. He listens to all of that music and he's also just getting his phd in applied mathematics at usc so he's he's a genius it, it's wild it's wild it'll be a tv show one day that's awesome <laughs> yeah Gotta stop spending money on takeout, delivery, and ordering food and going and grab stuff and eating fast food Save your money and get yourself Blue Apron. It's the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Look, I'm sure because you're listening to podcasts so you understand how Blue Apron works. They deliver you the ingredients at the recipe and you cook the food. But I don't think you understand how easy and how – like it really opens up your mind. Listen to the episode of uh, 
High and Mighty with me in DC where we talk about cooking and like how it makes you feel. Now, I know a lot of people think cooking is nearly impossible and it is hard, but Blue Apron makes it so easy. You could literally, I can do it. If I can do it, you guys can do it. Trust me. So do yourself a favor, sign up for Blue Apron, get all different types of meals coming out. Um, you get all different, like you can learn how to cook all different stuff. You learn all different styles. You can finally feel, and then here's the thing. You know, down the line when you get another thing and you're like, ooh, now I know I like bok choy. Thank you, Blue Apron. It just opens your mind up to ideas that you wouldn't even have think to buy at the grocery store. That's at least what's happening for me and my wife was we're like, oh, we should do something like that pesto sauce we had, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then here we are trying something new. All right, guys, check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash mighty. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash mighty. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Guys, how much more do I need to tell you about Dollar Shave Club? Please, trust me, it's good razors, good shaving cream, and it's delivered to your house, and it's cheap. Like, I get you think there's some sort of gimmick to Dollar Shave Club or whatever, but seriously, you get cheap, good razors, cheap, good shave butter delivered to your house. You don't have to worry about Like, it's just something you just take off the thing of like, oh, now I got to get someone to come and unlock the razor thing. Look, if I could get my 15 products that I need to get through like, okay, that's hyperbole. If I need, if I can get three products that I need for my life delivered to me monthly and like constantly refreshing on its own, that would be huge. You know how much easier shit would be for me? Um, I wish Dollar Shave Club existed for, uh, deodorant, face wash, body wash, loofahs, uh, gold bonds, all that shit that I need. But look, for now, just get yourself in Dollar Shave Club. Dude, for a limited time, new members get their first month of the executive razor and the tube of the Dr. Carver Shave Butter, which I don't think you understand is, I mean, you know how razors work. You know how good razors work. But Dr. Carver Shave Butter is primo shit. It's only $5 with free shipping. That's a 15 value for $5. In your first month, you get a handle four cartridges and a tube of butter after your first month replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price there are no hidden fees no commitments you can cancel anytime you can only get this offer exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash mighty that's dollarshaveclub.com slash mighty the other thing when, when you were talking about like the the techno scene a little bit um a really funny thing about going to shows i think in your uh teen years and in your 20s um and particularly like new music that you don't know a lot is just kind of looking around and and taking in what that scene is yeah like learning who the fans of this type of music yeah. are yeah i my aunt got me tickets to a paul oakenfold moby show in oh, like shit. 2002 or 2003 i think and i knew them a little bit like i remember on like the matrix soundtrack or something yeah. paul oakenfold <laughs> did like when the world ends with uh dave and i was like oh this is a weird sound i'm, I'm feeling this this what drugs are like and so i went to that show with my buddies and we spent most of it just kind of like looking at people because i'd never seen those kind of techno that uh, now it's you hear it all the time and and you know, I would never go to like EDC, but I know what it would be like if I if I went there. Yeah, see, I I've 
I don't really like that music anymore, but two things, and I don't really listen to jam bands, but two things I want to do, and maybe this goes to show you what my other favorite extracurricular <laughs> activities are, but I really want to go to EDC and dive in and dress up and do all that, and I really want to go to a live fish show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... It's really it's it's a there's something scene about in those itself. two things that I yeah what what, what connects those yeah what's the common thread here I uh, oh, I me. always like being kind of on the like periphery of of those scenes like I I don't really go to any EDM shows at right. all anymore but there was a time kind of like right after college for me really when I moved out to Los Angeles like around 2009 2010 that's like when my friends were super into that so I was like you know what like. I want friends. Like, I want to have fun. I'll dive in. <laughs> so we would go to see, like, Dead Mouse, and we would go to um, uh, Swedish House Mafia. And once you're – if you're there and you buy in, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. That's the other thing that you have to do is you have to buy in. Yeah. That's kind of my – that's, like, my mantra for all concerts. Um, you know, it's, like, buy into it. Like, buy the ticket, take the ride. Like, if you go – just have a good time, even if it's the shittiest music. Right. You kind of have to like allow yourself to maybe dance. You can't be worried about getting bumped. Maybe you have to, even if you have to wake up early the next day, you should have a couple of drinks or some sort of yeah, yeah. Uh, ingest some sort of mind altering uh, components. Like, let's let's go through a couple of like our favorite uh, concert moments or favorite yes. overall shows we saw. Because like I have like. That now I'm thinking back to oh, like around 15 years ago. I have like a few like brief memories of like this was an insane. And then like since I've gotten in the last like five or six years, I've had a couple of really cool concert experiences. Yeah, so let's run through some. Let's do it. Let's, let's, do, let's do, it. do some highlights. Um, so I'll just get the fish stuff out of the way first because like that's 99 percent <laughs> of it. Um, I had my favorite fish moment last year. I was at the Gorge in uh in George Washington. And they had played like an awesome show. Like, I don't want to be the fish guy that describes it, but the end, I was just in a particularly really good place. Everything was, everything was perfect. And, uh, you know, Trey of Fish hits the chords for good times, bad times. And it was going to be the encore. And I just like started crying so hard, <laughs> so hard, having the best time of my life, tears streaming down my face. My friends are worried about me. But that was like, that was probably the best fish moment. And then there's a thousand more that I'll never talk about <laughs> publicly. Uh, but all the fish moments are good. Like to get out of the way, like all the like Coachella moments are good. I go to Coachella with, um, uh, my friends every year and we always just have the fucking best time you guys so, pull it off huh? yeah we usually get a house i mean i've camped before but um so all of that stuff that all kind of blurs together um one of my favorite concert weeks ever in los angeles was um i think it was 2013 and so and it was just a huge music week for me um and so on Monday night, I went to see Kanye and Kendrick. That was the Jesus. easiest tour. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just insane. I was on the floor. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen. And then Tuesday night was at the Greek. It was uh, White Denim, Tame Impala, and, yes. and Flaming Lips. Sick. And then Thursday night, I managed to get into one of the small arcade fire shows at the Palladium, and that was Halloween. Oh. And so it was just, the, it was the best music those week are of like, my life. You know, 
five of my top 20 recording artists that yes. you just listed there. Yeah. So that was, I mean, that's my like big week, I would that's say. That's fucking awesome. It was. That's awesome. Here, I'll, I'll run you through some of my please, special yeah. moments. Uh, in high school, uh, my I wanted to go see uh, Beck was playing at Radio City Music Hall on Valentine's Day for the Midnight Vultures tour. And I really wanted to go. And my girlfriend was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll get. I'm like, can, can I go? And I'm my best friend, Sanford, who went to concerts with me all the time. He'll be in like every one of these stories. Um, and my girlfriend was like, got me the tickets and we were going to go. And then we broke up. Oh, no. And she was like. You can have the tickets for you and your and she like so we went on Valentine's Day like the week I got broken up with to go see a uh, <laughs> uh, Beck show and he sings that song Deborah that's sort of sexual and when it when he starts singing it a four post bed just drops from the ceiling <laughs> wow and he like rolls around on it and throws pillows and it was like super fun and dr- and I was like holy shit that was absolutely amazing but then there was this weird tinge to like okay so I. Uh, Oh, and when I broke up with the girl, she accused me of being gay because I was like, (laughs) and I was like, oh, okay. And then later on in college, I break up with my college girlfriend on the phone. Um, We decide over the summer. It's like, what are we doing? (laughs) Where I like someone else that someone else would end up being my wife. And so we break up and I'm now I'm single. My Sanford texts me. Uh, on my big blue Nokia and is like, hey, got tickets to Dashboard and Weezer at Jones Beach. You in? I was in. I'm fucking, I'm like, dude, uh, this week I broke up with a girl and now we're seeing another one of our favorite bands. Which Full was circle. Weezer. Yeah, it was such a weird thing. And those those two stories are literally like seven years apart. It's amazing. And, and, like, and, that, and both were like transformative concerts for various reasons, but it was like, such a huge mo- and I was like, holy shit! I'll always tie being newly broken up. I've only been broken up a couple. I've only had a, like f- four, five girlfriends in my entire life. Yeah, but now it's all about dashboard. Now it's all <laughs> about dashboard. Your hair is everywhere. God, I had a leather bracelet. So I had a good. thick leather bracelet. Dashboard was the other one I missed. <laughs> but oh, it's so funny you said the Valentine's Day concert thing because that can be a thing. And your story actually just reminded me of. One of my dumbest moments, like, you know, you know, when you're just like a dumb dude and you haven't had been in a lot of relationships and you just don't know how things work. Yeah. And this was one of the prime examples of me being such an idiot. Um, I had a new girlfriend and th- there was a concert that we wanted to go to together. And I had talked to my buddy, my a uh, guy friend of mine about it also. But, you know, I have this new girlfriend. We want to go to this show. The show's on Valentine's Day. (laughs) So we get tickets. And I don't know what the fuck I could have been thinking. This, like, looking back, I'm just like, who does this? I texted her the day before. And I was like, hey, um, I think I'm going to roll to the show with David. Like, let's meet up there. Oh, you're right, dude. Hindsight is 2020. What? Who the fuck does, it's just, it was like an idiotic move. And I remember just not, when we were in the fight about it, I remember not understanding what I had done wrong. And that's something funny because it's like not that big of a deal in overall scheme of your life. It's not that, but that's the thing that you think about in the shower. Yeah. Like you're just taking a shower randomly like a week from now and you're like, I can't believe I did that to that girl then. It was just so, yeah, it was all fine. It's just, I, I don't know how I didn't understand, like not only like, how to like be in a relationship, but just like how to not be a douchebag. Hindsight, I was it's so funny you say this because I was just randomly thinking back to like junior high the other day and I was talking to my wife and I was like, Yeah, it was so funny. I used to hang out with these girls that I 
like was in love with, but we would just be friends and we would hang out all the time. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, if I just had the confidence, they probably liked me too. They were yes. hanging out with me all the time. That is the story of my life. And then all of a sudden Back you're then, like, all yeah. I, and then that's the only thing you ever needed in your life was to just like try. Yes. And like worse comes to worse. They go like, oh no, I don't like you. And you're like, oh, and then it was like two of such a fear of rejection. And then it, it's just simple fucking social constructs. If someone is spending a lot of time with you, they at least enjoy your company. Exactly. <laughs> From the ages of like 12 to, I'll say like... Question mark. <laughs> yeah, like early 20s. It would be like, no, the way to get a girlfriend is you hang out with her for four years. Yeah. You pine over her. You think about her every single moment. Then she asks you <laughs> out. <Yes. laughs> And then you get really, really mad when you just make, when you assume she knows that you like her and would maybe like to kiss her. Yeah. <laughs> you get super pissed when she just gets another boyfriend because that boyfriend, that guy said, hey, we should grab a drink sometime. Yeah. <laughs> and you're so like, great. but I love you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's really, um, other, other great concert moments I remember, uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier of like, it's like a transformative experience if you're a performer or a writer, it's like. Getting out of your head and just think. I went to see Santa Gold and what was CeeLo's like alter ego? Uh, did he do like uh, MF Doom or whatever? No, it was well, he did the thing with Danger Mouse, right? Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. those well, guys. That was MF Doom. So it was Santa Gold and and the and those dudes. Is it something? F no, MF yeah. Doom's the rapper. It's like a uh, they had this song crazy. Narls Barkley. Narls Barkley. Yes, it was Narls Barkley and Santa Gold. And wow. I, yeah, it was fucking wild. Santa Gold, I loved back Yeah, then. I've seen she her was, at Coachella. Yeah, a few she's times. so good. Really cool. And uh, took a couple of hits of weed before I was like new into weed, so I was kind of high. And the music was just so good, and I was so into it. And I like turned to my friend Sanford again, and I was like, "Dude, I'm like literally having the time of my life. I'm getting chills talking about it now because I'm remembering it. Yeah, and I'm like, oh fuck, I'm really into it. And then all of a sudden, my brain started like going off, and I'm like, oh my god, I do have what it takes to make it in this business. Like, also, and yeah. I like take out a moleskin because this was like in an era when I thought I would write. Take out a moleskin. I'm like scribbling stuff down during the show, like singing along, having the time of my life. I I think. Sanford slept in my apartment or I slept in his apartment. We I, we woke up the next day and I was like, bro, that was great, blah, blah, blah. I wrote down all these ideas and I looked at my book and the only thing that was scribbled on like one page was a big guy trying to fuck a girl, dot, 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 but it's maybe his cousin is like the idea I wrote down. I'll never forget that premise. I don't know what, but I was like, I'm... Truly an artist. This the is only the only idea. This I is get. the next knocked up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is it. I truly thought I would, and I was like, "That's so funny to me." And then I read it the next day, and I was like, "I don't even get the. I don't even know the context of this. Is this an? What idea is this?" Yeah, the, I. Those are that's some of my favorite. Aside from music, my favorite thing to do now is to look at some of my notebooks from college. Oh Jesus! It's, I mean, it's if you want to hate yourself, if you oh. really, really want to hate yourself. It's really funny to go back through like a writing notebook and most of it is just to-do lists of yeah. stupid shit you have to get done and you're Still like, got it. my life sucked. <laughs> I just couldn't even, I'm not even creative enough to like write in this book. It just says like, don't forget to pay rent. <laughs> you know? one, one time in college, I, uh, I had this like weird time, maybe like sophomore year of college where, because I had done like in high school. I, I was never like a religious person, but I was always very involved in like Jewish youth groups and Jewish summer camp. 
And then that just kind of you're like, like socially Jewish, yeah, secular, very Jewish. socially Jewish. And then like you go to college and you get really into weed and drinking, and it's like that just goes away. <laughs> and I had this thing um, sophomore year where like I was taking some religious studies class and i was also like experimenting with hallucinogens for the first time <laughs> so i was like very confused for a month um religiously and i found a notebook later on and it was like after i had like taken mushrooms or something and it scribbled a bunch of stuff and i looked at this page and it just said it is god oh you're and right it, it And I'm just like, who the fuck wrote that? Like, this is the most weirdly, embarrassingly earnest thing that also makes no sense. <laughs> I think I still it have that notebook. It is God. It is God. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. But all, the other, like, thing, just tying that in a little bit about, like, going to music, going to music shows and, like, even it's, like, funny talking so earnestly about music on a comedy podcast right, now. Right. But, like, you, you have to, like, have a level of, like being earnest about it to like go to a concert like you cannot be that's the thing i always say like you ever go to a fucking haunted house or an escape room with a bunch of comedians it's like a it's like uh, we get it I, I mean i have a special anger because i'm the funniest it's like <laughs> let me do the bits guys <laughs> but for real people just don't know how to like just when people are on a haunted hayride or something and they're talking the whole time and trying to act, oh, look oh, over here, I wonder if this guy's going to, you're like, you're ruining this experience yeah, for yourself and it. now other people. Just be in it. Just go like, this music is weird. Like, no, just fucking, you're there already. That's my thing is like, once you're there, just fucking do, on the ride home, destroy it. Roast the fuck out of it. Whatever you need to do to make yourself feel comfortable. But while you're there, just get the full fucking enjoyment. Yeah, and that, I think, uh, it's one of those things where I mean, this is a thing that's been like talked about a million times. But like, I'm one one of those like people in comedy who just wishes I could be a fucking rock star. Yeah, like, that's all I want. And and so much of that to me, I think, is like the earnestness of just walking up and doing something really cool yeah. and not fucking commenting on it. <laughs> right. <And laughs> yeah, something about letting the music talk. Yeah. yeah, not yeah. making an ass of myself all the time. That's um, really funny. Let's go into a, a couple more crazy concert moments because I have a couple of... Uh, Sanford and I uh, went to go see... He's eventually got to come on this podcast, though he's too much of a sketchball. Um, Sanford and I went to go see Weezer when we were freshmen in college. He went to New Paltz. I went to Maris, so we were across the river from each other. He happened to have his car there. He comes and picks me up. We drive up to SUNY Albany where two of our friends... Oh, yeah. Where, yeah, where two of our friends live. And uh, Weintraub, Dove and Matt Weintraub, so you know they're good old Italian boys. Yep. Um, they're up there. Weezer's playing at the Pepsi Arena. We're all going to go. We get super shit-faced. We go... Weintraub's kind of like a, uh, I shouldn't stop saying dude's last names, but this guy Matt's like a <laughs> tall, darky dude. And we're friends with him, but he's like quiet and shy. And a fucking crowd starts, and there's like people are crowd surfing, and we just forcefully pick Matt up and push him into crowd surfing. Later on that night, he like, we don't see him again. We see him after the concert, and he only has one shoe. He's like, someone took my shoe off when you guys did that to me. We go back to Dove's bar, uh, Dove's dorm. Sanford drinks 40 of those mini Mott's apple juice things. Like, he just don't... You know when you were in college, your mom would, like, give you a pallet of Arizona iced oh, teas yeah. or whatever? Yeah. And you'd be like, last gotta make these week. last. Yeah, and, but then you would have, like, five a day and then have diabetes. Uh, <laughs> Sanford gassed all these apple juices. We're driving home. He's like, I don't feel good. I'm like, you had way too much apple juice. His car gets a flat. The engine stops. We have to get towed. Me, him, and another guy I go to school with are riding in a Jetta 
on a flatbed oh, driving man. home from Albany, just sitting in a car with like the music blasting, talking about the Weezer show. It was so cool. We get home. He, he's like, I still don't feel good. I'm going to call my mom. She'll help me fix the car. Call, I get a call the next day from his cell phone number, and it's his mom. And he's like, Brian Sanford is in a coma. He had he Holy got shit. viral meningitis while we were at SUNY Albany. Oh Luckily, God. none of us else got it. We yeah. all had to take antibiotics. We had to do all this crazy shit. And then he was in a coma in a hospital in Poughkeepsie near my college for like six days. Six? Did he? I mean, he recovered. He from recovered. It? He's out. He has like some slight like uh, dyslexia that came from it or whatever he says. But yeah, it was a fucking wild day. and like. We always have that. We've since we've yeah. seen Weezer before that. We've since seen Weezer, and we've since seen a bunch of shows. And like that was just like such an insane undertaking. Like insane, they had to yeah. contact SUNY Albany and say anyone who was at the Weezer concert or uh, uh, these three buildings should probably go to the CVS and get a like a mega dose of antibiotics. That yeah, that was one of those really scary. I mean, that's one of those like scary college things, right? right Viral yeah. meningitis, Which is like, like too many people with too yeah. many things happening. Yeah, that's crazy. Did you actually see Weezer with Tenacious D ever? I no, remember that's that the tour. one tour I didn't, and that would have been perfect for me, right yeah. in my fucking wheelhouse. No, the ones I saw were awful. They're openers were always awful they had fucking uh dashboard for one okay yeah they yeah. had get up kids for another because i liked weezer because it was fun but some people weezer was one of their emo bands mm-hmm. and i didn't like i didn't like emo enough though when i saw them and ozma open for them i really liked okay. ozma yeah yeah because weezer was one of those bands where they were like earlier and then a scene almost like grew around them yes a little bit. yeah that like, wasn't quite them but you could right. still categorize them with yeah. It was like a almost bit. like a scene built around them, at, only based off Pinkerton, ignoring yes. the Blue Album. Yes, yeah. which is the, I love Pinkerton, but the Blue Album is like maybe the best album of all time. It's oh yeah, it, Good there's life. it's all. I hate to use this term, but it's just on my mind. It's all bangers. All <laughs> my- <laughs> Weezer is all bangers. One Blue Album from fucking track one to track ten. Bangers. Oh, uh, all bangers uh, reminds me of Swedish House Mafia show. Um, <laughs> one of the things, and this is just kind of like, this is something that used to happen at shows all the time and now just doesn't happen anymore, but where you would like lose all of your friends. And even at like the start of cell phones, um, the service was always bad places. Yeah, so yeah. if you were going to one of those um concerts you would just like lose all your friends sometimes right. especially <laughs> if like other things are involved like and, you, yeah you're fucking high as hell you go to the bathroom and then you just do not remember where your buddies were standing <laughs> yeah so two times like pop out in in you know sort of recent memory that that happened i went to a coachella where it was years ago when radio was radiohead was playing it was probably like 2010 and, you know, we had smoked a lot of weed before Radiohead. We just really needed to get to that, like, <laughs> spiritual Radiohead place that yeah. we thought we could get to. And everything is so clear. <laughs> and I, all I remember about this scary, scary moment was um, everything was green. Everything was green. Tom York is, like, crying on stage. He's cry-singing. And I just turn around to say something to my buddy, and everyone is gone. (laughs) And and I look at this sea of, like, 90,000 people at Coachella, and I just start walking around trying to, like, retrace my steps. But 
you also have to think about I, I have to get home later and I need to be with these people. Yeah. And I'm high as fuck. And now my you're panicking. I'm panicking. Yeah. And and meanwhile in the background's like boom 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 and boom boom boom. And you're like no. Everything's green. And <laughs> I just walked around. I walked around for like 15 minutes and then I went right back to where I was. And they were literally to the right of me, and I just <laughs> looked behind and decided to then walk away. I know where they must have gone. <laughs> and uh, same thing happened at a Swedish House Mafia show that was just too big. Like when you said bangers, I was like, oh yeah, Swedish House. When when my friend Mike and I just lost all of our friends, and we also didn't really want to be there. So the music is just like throttling yeah. it's relentless <laughs> yeah. and you're not happy and there's a kid there's a fucking 15 year old next to you who's sucking a pacifier and his eyes are rolling into the back of his head and those are you know those are some of those concerts mo concert moments where you're just like you need to get the fuck out of yeah. here uh, let's get home yeah uh. but i, I would a really good one i, I actually brought all my tickets yeah for those to of you listening at home which is all of you um shapiro has laid out maybe 40 different yeah tickets i just wanted to jog my memory but um one of the best shows that i ever went to one of the most memorable concert experiences was 2012 it was at the greek and it was david byrne and saint vincent oh awesome they, they had just done a show together and um i was uh you know i was working on a show um i was working on a show and that day a few people from the show were also going to the concert and I think I had had shitty tickets, um, but my buddy who worked on the show, he was like, for some reason, what, however it happened, I ended up with two sets of tickets for free, and I'm going to go, you know, in one of the garden boxes with, you know, uh, my friends who had invited me, but I have these two tickets that, you know, just sell your tickets, whatever, I'll give you these. So he gave me these tickets, and they end up being, like, first row. He had decided to go to a box, um, you know, for social stuff, which was great, yeah. instead of being first row. But so which now, is great for you. <laughs> now I have basically front row standing at the Greek for David Byrne and St. Vincent, and they just created – they had that album at the time, Love This Giant, yeah. and they created this whole – um, there was a brass band with them and there was choreography to every song and just standing, you know, this far away from David Byrne Ugh. was, it was mind blowing. That was, so that, I, I wish there was like a crazy story that went along with but it. That's, that's it was me. really just being there. Yeah. That's amazing. That's fucking great. I, uh, I have a, I saw Arcade Fire at Central Park Summer Stage and uh, Bowie came up and played with them for a couple of songs, which oh, was wow. fucking cool as hell. Um, I smoked a joint that a dude passed me. He said, that's that cheese, man, so be careful. And I had never been that high in my life, so I don't know what I actually smoked. Possibly PCP. Um, <laughs> and uh, one time I saw Ar uh, either Block Party or Arcade Fire at the church in Harlem. And they fucking were rocking so hard that paint chips were snowing down from oh, the God. ceiling. It was so fun. And it's like this. Uh, did you ever see a show at that church in Harlem? No, no, no. It's a fucking old school, beautiful Baroque church. And it just fill and they fucking party hard. Like the music, do they still do shows there? I feel like they still okay. do. Yeah. Or unless they tore it down. Yeah. But it was fun. I saw so many great shows there. Um, I did see Beck. Uh, with MGMT opening for them later and it was actually shitty and I didn't it was Beck's like folk tour and it didn't feel the same as seeing Midnight Vulture's Life I saw 
White Stripes and Strokes together at Radio City Music Hall at like both of their peaks. Damn. Yeah. And, and at Radio City Music Hall. That's yeah. It's so fucking awesome. What a place to be. Yeah. It was that. a fucking great show. Uh, seen Radiohead like uh, five or six times. Um, but recently, the coolest concert moment I had was UCB Touring Company. Me and some people went down to improvise at the after parties for the Gentlemen of the Road Tour, which is a Mumford and Sons. And Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros yeah. uh, touring little festival. So they were playing in Oklahoma. My wife is a diehard Mumford and Sons fan. Well, was yeah, still is. And Edward, our wedding song was "Home" by Edward Sharp yeah. and the Magnetic Zeros. That was our first dance. So I was like, I got to bring my wife to this concert. And they're like, Yeah. And you have VIP badges. So for two full days, I was backstage, side stage. In the VIP section, drinking and eating for free all day long with close friends and my wife, seeing Alabama shakes. Uh, oh my god! Uh, all these fucking amazing, uh, kind of like in that vein of like country rock type bands, and it was Heim played. So many people played such amazing live shows, and on the first night we had to leave early. Right during the closers act every time because we had to start had getting to ready perform. to perform. Yeah. So we're leaving during Edward Sharp and they haven't played home yet. And I'm like, oh my God, Tiffany. And my wife's like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm like, this is such. And as we're about to get in the car, we're like in a field behind the concert. The song comes on and I'm with some uh, comedy friends, Shannon O'Neill, uh, Fran Gillespie, Molly Lloyd. Um, and all of a sudden the, that song comes on and I'm like, guys, we have to wait. And oh, And Neil Casey was there with me. And we all just start dancing like in a field to my wedding song with friends at after been drinking all day before I went to go do a show. Unbelievable. It's a fucking amazing week. And then, uh, real quick, I'll wrap it up because there's one crazy thing. On the second day, meet Mumford at, at the after party, meet the Mumford brothers and like Winston is a fan of UCB. He like took level two. So Shannon knew him from classes. We're hanging out. I'm smoking dope with Marcus Mumford. We're bullshitting. And he's like, uh, the next night he's like, you got to come to the after party after your show. And I was like, oh, we go to a VFW on the second night after Mumford and Sons plays an insane set, brings down the house. The crowd is so fucking into it. We go to do our little fucking improv show for five guys tripping on acid. And then, uh, we go to this VFW, get there at two in the morning. We walk in there. Uh, they're like, John, like he, uh, Marcus kept calling me big John the whole time. He's like, Amazing. John is here. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, come on this way. And he led us into a VFW, which is like 80 seats, you know, 80 folding chairs, a tiny little stage. And on the stage is Marcus Mumford, T-Bone Burnett, and like four 70-year-old local fucking uh, Oklahoma dudes. And they play for 90 minutes. Just kind of like, do you know this song? Oh, yeah. Is that the one? And then they would just, and they would play. And the, I'm sitting you there. You saw just a jam. Like I just the saw best a jam, jam at two in the morning. In. Yeah. T-Bone Burnett. Fucking uh, not a Nottingham, which is the Robin Hood animated uh, theme song. Yeah, uh, he's like, this is one of Marcus is like, this is one of my favorite songs, and that's like one of my wife's favorite movies. Yeah, and so her favorite, the singer from her current favorite band is singing a song from her childhood favorite movie at fucking three in the morning for seventy of us, and and my friend uh, Neil Casey, uh, who's former guest, he's on the Road Dogs episode. Neil says something that fucking has stuck with me. This was that was maybe six years ago at this point. Neil said to me. Can you believe we get to do all this because we're slightly funnier than some other people? <laughs> like, and it's like, holy shit. Fundamentally, that's true. Just because we're slightly funnier and dedicated our lives to do it, we've been afforded this insane opportunity. Yeah. And that was just like, that, that was like, 
the magic of music and the magic of like quasi celebrity dovetailing to each other at that moment. It was fucking, it fucking ruled. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. If you can ever get those moments, um, my, uh, my good buddy works at Budweiser and he was able to get us some, uh, artist passes for a day at Coachella last oh, awesome. year. And then you just, yeah, whenever you're in that back area in this like really like, you you know how you feel a little shitty about it because like you're so privileged to be able to do it, but yeah. then like a golf cart's like, yeah, we'll take you to like this other stage and yeah, like yeah, you can I, watch from. And then when you you know what, and this is the most bougie, obnoxious, fucking one percenter thing to say. Then it gets hard to go to festivals and concerts not VIP. It does. This <laughs> yeah, year was like, really. I gotta stand. I gotta wait nine hours for a hot dog. Fuck this. This yeah. year was hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when uh when when you uh were. Earlier on, this just jogged my memory on on a, a good, sort of funny concert story from uh, in Los Angeles. Have you ever gone to those like jazz reggae festivals, or have you no, heard about no. them? So UCLA does like a a, a jazz reggae festival, and um, I, I went with a buddy to go see Nas and Damian Marley. I'd seen them like a few times. Um, you know, this was like years ago when they were touring. You, had, you didn't have me hooked on jazz and reggae. I was like, eh, it sounds awful. Then when you say Nas and Damian Marley, I was like, oh, okay, I'm in. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was <laughs> yeah. great. Um, but then the ne- we only had one day passes. The next day, um, Q-Tip was going to do a set. And so we're watching like, I think it was like Barrington Levy at that point. And um, we had just lit up a joint, my buddy and I. And we look over at this guy and he looks exactly like Q-Tip. I will say I did think he was Q-Tip. And this is not just like a white dude like and This is being, not classic like all black guys look alike. Yeah, this like, is just <laughs> This and he he was standing um in a little farther back like he just he was carried himself like Q-Tip. We thought he was Q-Tip. So, um my buddy walks up to him and he's like I, I just got to. I just got to. And he offers him a joint and we stand with him for a while. And um, we were, like, just trying to be those guys who had, like, offered him a joint, but, like, think we're talking to Q-Tip, but don't want to fanboy out. Yeah, but not 100% positive. Yeah. And so uh, (laughs) I think the questions were, like, so, uh, like, who have you, like, seen today? And, you know, he gives a few people. And and, um, five minutes in, he just looks, and the joint's still going. He goes, you think I'm Q-Tip, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then my buddy goes no and the joint was back with us and like we just walked away right away <laughs> such fucking idiots it's one of those embarrassing oh, that makes me so happy yeah and that's not only the only time that that's happened um i uh another this one's quick and it's not even on music but uh we were in an airport and it was like it was seven o'clock in the morning i think i had slept like two hours same friend um we were going back for thanksgiving or something and we see somebody that he recognizes and he walks up to say hi and um it was sam raimi and he's like talking to him like so so excited to meet him like fanboying out a little bit but hadn't talked about specific movies and it was really quick and in my head, I, like, knew who it was, but it was really early, so just had a brain fart. And so I, like, shake his hand, and, and I go, I'm really uh, excited for Skyfall. I, like, thought it was Sam Mendes. <laughs> and he goes, I, he goes, what's Skyfall? And I just go, I don't know, some movie. And then we walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking shithead. Good save. Good, good 
<laughs> so these are my shithead stories. You should never introduce me to someone that I admire. <laughs> I never do that right. I never yeah. do that shit right. Like even I just met Exhibit last night, and I was oh like, wow, yeah, and I was like, eh, you know, I was still like I misjudged the entire interaction. I just always do that because I'm so used to being like obnoxiously charismatic that people I'm like, eh. so then when you do it to like a celebrity, they're like. Fuck you, man. Yeah, you go. don't know me. I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm like this with everybody. But you don't know that because you're Exhibit. Yeah. <laughs> exhibit actually made one Limp Bizkit song good. Oh, yeah. In Together Now. <laughs> exhibit made that song good. Do not good. try to don't no. t- try to use uh, Exhibit. Don't try to use X to the Z to fucking plow your way into no. getting us all to listen to fucking uh, Limp Bizkit. You'll like I mean, that I had one song. Chocolate yeah. Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored One. Oh, that was the song. I, or that was the <laughs> album I would just scream to. I yeah. would just scream to. Yeah, but it's funny. Like a lot of the early shows for me were just about like being younger and like seeing the scene and like yeah. being too afraid seeing of it. Older, cooler kids that also and you like the bond you had was that you both could scream all the like. Yeah. That was like me with like. Oh, and the Shins was another band I saw oh, yeah. like almost ten times because that was like State, those those kind of like fucking New York. They were just always around New York doing fucking gigs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went to Wisconsin, and a lot of people didn't come through there. But like, I would say like the headline of like seeing shows in college for me was like we were way too stoned and way too into reggae. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That's great. Love a love a good crew of white dudes getting into reggae in college. That's really fun. That, oh yeah, kind of on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the most on the nose. Like I didn't even know that you were supposed to get into reggae in college. I just somehow discovered it's it. It's either like reggae or else. OAR, right? Uh, <laughs> Crazy both. game of poker is oh, the first man. song. I was like, how have I never heard this song until arriving at this dorm, yes. which is only two hours from my house. <laughs> Um, well, let's uh, let's wrap it up there because uh, did you have any uh, more? T- you're like getting all my <laughs> OCDing. I'm out like one, two, three, four. Five. No, no, I love talking about it. I just think it's fun. Like it's funny to like so earnestly talk about music, and I'm like so uncomfortable about it. But I also love it. Like, well, that's where we're at on High and Mighty is uh, uh, uncomfortable with our earnestness. Like, yeah, that's I think it works. I almost said earnesty as in honesty, but with earnest. I like that too. Yeah, that's the title of my fucking next book, bro. <laughs> my next book, earnesty. my first book, my zeroth book. Um, tell us a little bit about what you got going on besides at Los Feliz. Yeah, daycare. thanks for uh, thanks for having me. It was like so much fun. But yeah, actually, Los Feliz Daycare. Um, just excited writing a pilot right now for Hulu with Adam Pally, your buddy. So yeah. that uh, he's fucking great and it's going well. So we're hoping Hulu likes that. Uh, so for for those of you at least follow Los Feliz Daycare on Twitter. It's a very Thank funny you. account. I, it's super hyper specific, but it works. I appreciate. You don't it. have to live in LA or understand Los Feliz to get it. You'll you'll just love it because it's hipster kids shitting on hipster kids is like exactly yeah. yeah thank you and yeah. um i'm also working on a a podcast actually they actually have uh writers on podcasts sometimes holy shit and it's called i hate my boss um it's it's a really cool thing i would check it out you know it, it's for really anyone who works in any sort of job it's a podcast where they have um two experts john and liz like in business basically they just they take emails um they take calls and they talk to people about their work problems and just kind of help give advice and stuff like that. And so what I do is I'm on a team of writers that 
write this show within the show called Pen and Pencil on it. It's kind of like The Office. They'll just use that. John and Liz will use that as an example yeah. and, um, you know, help kind of draw lessons and stuff from the characters. So it's called I Hate My Boss. It's called I Hate get My that Boss. wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, it's Apple fun. Podcast it's funny. It's insightful. I think people will like it. Ah, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like, I have a team of 12 writers. Uh, Hell yeah. Ethnically diverse, mostly women. They're working uh, <laughs> really hard in the other room and they keep like, telling- Tell another story for nine minutes over your guest. And, like, got it. And they keep telling me stop smiling and tell <laughs> say something funny yeah <laughs> um uh, and do you have a, 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 a twitter that's you i do um my favorite twitter that i have it, i have a few um <laughs> it's called oops i farted it's three o's it's o o o p s i farted and all the tweets is oops i farted and then oops um tweets like you know once a month or so uh so that one's kind of my passion project <laughs> that one i'm developing with uh netflix netflix is doing that and then i uh at jd shapiro is okay. my um is my personal handle so dope find me on the web yeah please. tweeted us with some of your favorite concert moments uh I, i'm at john gabris no h's buy a shirt at gabris.com slash shirts um check out the little hours that uh, the aforementioned adam pally and i are both in playing nick offerman's spear wielding guards um it's in a town ta- uh it takes place in medieval Italy, um, and we speak American modern English. So if that sounds I'm on like it. yeah, and plus Ar- Aubrey Plaza, Allison Brie, Kate McCucci, Jemima Kirk, it's chock full of hilarious hotties. So check it out. Um, I think that's everything. As always, rate me five stars, roast me in the comments, and uh, I'll see you later, shitheads. Thanks for having me, Gabrus. Bye. <laughs> That was a HeadGum Podcast.